Bible reading this morning comes from uh, 1 Samuel, chapter 23, and verses 15 to 18. So 1 Samuel 23. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh when he learned that Saul had come to seek his life. Saul's son Jonathan set out and came to David at Horesh. There he strengthened his hand through the Lord. He said to him, Do not be afraid, for the hand of my father Saul shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be second to you. My father Saul also knows that this is so. Then the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. David remained at Horesh, and Jonathan went home. Well, it's a... Uh... It's been great over the summer to have some other preachers come and preach, and thank you to all that preached. I've only heard positive feedback, only positive feedback of everyone that preached, and having some psalms come through in the, uh, in the services has been fantastic. So thank you to all who, who preached, and it's um, nice to have some other people sort of stand up on stage, and you don't have to hear my voice all the time. So uh, I'm sure that was good. It was um, wonderful to hear Ray uh, speak last week on Psalm 13. If you weren't here, go to the podcast and have a listen to that. It was fantastic, so clear about our um, being able to come to God and to vent and to pray. Have a look at it. We're blessed to have such talent and talented people and gifted preachers in our church, don't we? We're being fed on God's word and what a blessing that is. So let's uh, remember that and say thank you to those who have stepped into the pulpit over the last month. And hopefully through this year, we'll continue to, to give uh, some, some meat into, the, into our congregation into the, from the pulpit as well. But my hope is that as a community, we'll not just get our feeding from the pulpit, that we'll be rubbing shoulders with one, one another midweek to try and develop our, our faith that little bit deeper as well. Next week, we're going to break into our, our series, uh, first series for the year. We're going to touch on it a little bit this, this, um, this week, but we're going to really break into our first series, and we're, we're calling it The Core. Can I grab that up on the, on the screen? The Core. Um, and we want to explore some of the core foundations of what it means to be the church. That's, in essence, what we're going to do. Because the reality of the world is that things around us are continually changing. And we talk about relevance and being relevant to the world. The world is changing and no longer is the church the place where most people go on a Sunday anymore. When I was in Newport, if, uh, if you went out of the church on a Sunday, you'd see most people in the cafes. There were cafes everywhere and they were packed on Sunday mornings. It wasn't so much about the church. So what does the church have to say about this? How do we enact as a church in this new fabric of society? So we're going to unpack some of those core things of the church, things that are the non-negotiables when it comes to being the people of God in a community of believers together. So make sure you come back next week and the week after and the week after, and we'll do it for about five weeks um, as we explore some of the core before we lead into Easter, which really comes up quickly, so it's not going to be too long and it'll be there. But this week, we're going to, um, and next week, we're, as I said earlier, we're going to spend some time commissioning our, our youth and children's leaders into ministry as well. Really important that we do that, that uh, we cover them with prayer and we send them out uh, into serving as well. 
But this week, I, I, I had a sense of, of this, this verse that uh, was read by Crash that was something that was for us. I don't know why. Maybe it's something uh, that speaks to you specifically or maybe it's something that, that comes through our church a little bit. But I felt God highlighted this verse uh, for us. So this morning, as we kick into uh, a new year, I suppose, I wanted us to consider how... Uh, how we can strengthen one another's hand in the Lord. Because Jonathan came to David and strengthened his hand through the Lord. So as we start this year, that's verse 16 of of, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 23. As we start this year, one of the key things I believe we need is uh, in this community is deepening relationships. Not just relationships that hit a mark on Sunday, but the types of relationships that move into the space of holding one another up as we travel the road together. This road of faith that isn't always an easy sail. Because in our times of need, of pain, in our times of fear, our uncertainties, it's important that we have others within the Christian community who will stand up and fight the fight of faith for one another, who will reach out and strengthen the hand of one another in the Lord. So let's pray and explore how the story of Jonathan and David and how Jonathan strengthened David's hand in the Lord. Let me pray. Now, God, as we open up Scripture and as we dive into uh, your word this morning, help us to understand it, understand what it means for our church here at Kilsyth South, but also maybe as individuals, may you be speaking um, directly to us that we may have ears to hear and eyes to see how you would like us to respond. Amen. So last week, as I said, Ray uh, took Psalm 13 and explained to us the background where where Psalm 13 uh, originated. Let me just find Samuel. Uh, where Psalm 13 originated. It was written by David in a time where David was really struggling. He was, he was the chosen one, the one chosen to be king, to, uh, to take the throne from Saul as such, this first king Saul. And, and, but he hadn't quite made it to that stage yet. It wasn't common knowledge. Samuel had anointed uh, David in his house. It wasn't a, uh, in, the, in, the, in the courts or anything. It wasn't where all the people were. So it wasn't common knowledge, I would have thought. And he'd been given the title there of having a man after God's own heart. There were some big things to live up to. You're going to be king and you've got a godly heart. And after killing Goliath, and we, know, we all know the story of David and Goliath. After killing the Goliath, the people started turn, turning to him and looking to him that little bit more than turning to Saul. And it built up in Saul this, this resentment that Saul was a threat. And indeed, Saul was right, because <laughs> David had been given this, um, this uh, blessing. David was a threat. And he wasn't a threat because of what David was doing. It was more because of what Saul was doing or how Saul said. Saul was an insecure leader. He didn't want to lose his leadership position. Saul couldn't let the accolade go to the one who went and, and, and killed the giant of Goliath. Rather, Saul feared that the popularity of David was going to overrun his own position. Here's a a bit of a leadership aside here is that um, 
and you can pull myself or any of our leaders up on this at any stage. Um, if, if you have an insecure leader, someone who is threatened by other leaders, they will lead by control. That's what Saul was doing. There's nothing healthy about Saul's leadership in this space because it made him relentlessly pursue David. Suddenly, David's, uh, Saul's gone from the, the king of this nation to this insecure man looking to take the life of the national hero. So David, he only could do was run and hide. And Ray told us last week that time and time again, people would come and the Lord would protect him from Saul. Saul would find him and the Lord would protect him in some way, shape or form. And this morning we come to this small part in David's story where he's running from Saul and this time it's Saul's son, Jonathan, who comes to David's rescue. The story is that David had been fleeing once again and whilst David was in this southern wilderness hiding from Saul, David fought on behalf of the Judean city of Kelea against the Philistines. Now, he already knew the Philistines. Goliath was a Philistine. So he already knew what they were like. And David and his 600 men went into bat for this town. And he defeated them. Defeated the Philistines and the the town was saved. The only problem was that the people of this town, Keilah, they they ratted David out to Saul. They said, he's here. And verse 14, just before what Crash read of 1 Samuel 23, says that David remained in the strongholds in, in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. Doesn't sound like a... Uh, a nice country club sort of space, does it? The wilderness of Ziph. <laughs> and the rest of verse 14 says, Saul sought him every day. Saul sought him every day. Can you imagine that? You're hiding out in the wilderness and Saul sought him every day. But, I love the but, but the Lord did not give him into his hand. You see, God was protecting the very one that God had anointed to become the king that God had earmarked for king. Yet the toll on David must have been great. Running day in, day out in the wilderness of Ziph, finding refuge, finding solace, looking over your shoulder the whole time, running. I don't know if you can relate to David in some way. Perhaps you're not being chased by an insecure king trying to kill you, but there's a sense that perhaps you feel like You're always running, running just to keep ahead of life, running just to keep the bills being paid, running to keep your relationships stable, running to keep the spiritual zeal strong. And you're finding that the running is tiring. The running is tiring. And whilst we may not be running for our physical lives like David, it might be that you're running from something you just don't want to face up to or someone you don't want to face up to. It may be something that's related to your work or something that you're ashamed of. And the running seems to be the only thing you can do to keep in front of it because you just don't want it to catch up to you. So you keep running And like David, 
It's tiring. Running is tiring. Are you tired of running? Now, I am not the best runner in the world. And I hear there are some really good runners in the church. Um, well done to you guys. We've got the fun run coming up in uh, a month's time or so. You'll run and I'll probably walk. Um, but through last week, I went on a retreat with some of the Baptist Union leaders. And on Thursday, uh, Wednesday morning, we got asked to come along on a run. I said, no, thank you, politely, and kept sleeping. Uh, but on Thursday, uh, we got asked whether we'd come and do a boot camp. Now, if you don't know what a boot camp is, um, if you hear those words, just run. I'll start running, run the other way. Um, basically, it's, it's intense sort of circuit training. And so you do 20 seconds of, um, so it might be uh, like squats or crunchies or um, other ones, burpees, which really hurt everywhere, um, or weights and stuff like that. And then you get 10 seconds rest, which that sounds great. You do double the work and then half the rest. That sounds all right. After eight re- repetitions of each of these things, you know, don't you? Uh, you know, it, it just hurts. The whole, the whole lot just hurts. So I got up and I decided I'd do boot camp. There was three of us. And as we started, we did some running. I didn't like that. After we finished running, we started on the, the hard stuff, the squats, the push-ups, the weights. It was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. It's meant to be a retreat. <laughs> I've not trained like that for at least five years when we've got a gym membership. And I went to the gym membership thinking I'll have this nice leisurely roll around saying, oh, you do a couple of things like this. And the lady took me on a personal training session that just about killed me. I couldn't get, I got in the car and I couldn't drive home. I had to call Solari. My, my hands are shaking. That was five years ago. <laughs> there were times on, on th- um, Thursday morning and, and uh, Daniel's going, all right, lift the, lift the weights. I, I couldn't move. <laughs> there were only five kilos. It wasn't that heavy. I was like... I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, I'd will myself just to get back up from the burpee that I'd just done. And the last thing I wanted to do was run to cool down. I just didn't want to do it. And you know what? Because there were two others there, and one of them was going, come on, Pete, you can do it. I did it. I didn't do it very well, but I did it because I had two friends that were going through the same pain as I was. Well, they were a lot fitter than me, to be fair. But I had two friends that were pushing me to strive towards something more, to break through that pain, and it was painful, but to reach the end. Because if I went on my own, if Daniel had come to me and said, Pete, here are the exercises for the day. I'm going off to the cafe and I'll have my coffee. I'll come back in half an hour when you're done. There would be no way that I would have stayed. No way at all. I had all the, all the equipment, I had all the information, but there would have been no way I would have been able to do that. But I had some friends who, when I needed to be pulled up because I couldn't get up after the sit-ups, when I physically pulled up, they were there for me. The BUV, the Baptist Union of Victoria, has a catchphrase. It says that we are better together and talks about the churches being better together. And it was like I was sucking in the deep breaths and at the end of the fitness session I realised that we are better together. I realised that without the exhortation and encouragement of the two others that were with me, I wouldn't have gotten through. They were the ones in my time of hurt and pain and physical weakness that they strengthened my hand. That's a physical 
part. Let's take it into the spiritual now. Hebrews chapter 3 calls us to encourage one another and to hold on to the promises of God. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 3. It says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, and it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. Why? So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Putting it into my boot camp space, if I didn't have the encouragement, I wouldn't have gone anywhere. I would have easily just walked away. Christian community... Our spiritual walk is not a solo voyage. It was not designed. God didn't design our faith journey to be done alone. Christian community is a place where we are called to live in such a way that we encourage one another daily. Why? So that we may not be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It's pretty plain and simple for the writer of the book of Hebrews. If you're doing your faith journey on your own, if you're not vulnerable enough to say, can you pray for me? Can you help me? Can you encourage me? Or you're not doing that to someone else, there's going to be a consequence. And the consequence is that the things that you're running from, the things that are chasing you, the things that trip you over, will eventually not just trip us up, but we're actually going to become hardened to them. And eventually what at one stage you considered was sin, all of a sudden will just become second nature. We need others to do faith with us. We need others who in our time of need are, 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 being, are strengthening us, are, are bringing us up in our faith in the Lord. And likewise, we must do the same. You see, David was going through these tough stages. And in the midst of it, his good friend Jonathan, the son of the man who's trying to kill him, comes to the person that helped him, comes to be the person that helped David get through. The Bible says what Crash read in verse 15 While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come to take his life not great. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. That's the NIV, the, the one, uh, the NRSV that was read to us. Um, it says, he strengthened his hand in the Lord. And he said, don't be afraid, he said, my father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows that. That's why he's after him. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish. Within that space, there are about four lessons that we can take out that I think can be relevant to us today in terms of our strengthening one another in the Lord. The first is that we all need strengthening. 
Each and every one of us needs strengthening. It doesn't matter if you've been a, a follower of Jesus since you were three and you're now 83. It doesn't matter if you've rocked up today and are feeling like you want to accept Jesus into your life for the first time. We all need strengthening in Christ. You need people around you to be a Christian friend, a confidant, faithful encouragers. We all have times where we need people around us to help us in the hard times, the ups and the downs of Christian life. David, he was the man. He was the the man given the title, the man after God's own heart. We know he had some failures as he went through life. But the start of his life was fantastic. He was a great warrior. He defeated Philistines um, more than a few times. He defeated the most ferocious when no one else wanted to tackle Goliath. He trusted in God. Surely if anyone could get away with going it alone, it was going to be this man, David. Yet even he needed his friend to come beside him and encourage him in the daily struggle of life. Remember, Saul, Jonathan's dad, was chasing him daily. It wasn't a couple of day rest, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off sort of stuff. It was daily. He was going the whole time. We must never think that we are beyond the need for people to be a part of our lives. We must never presume to feel like we've made it in faith. We don't need the strengthening We must never presume to be the one that is the only one that can give the strength and not need the strength ourselves. The other part of that is important as well, if we flip it around a little bit. We must never presume that someone is so far above you that you are not able to strengthen their faith. Our deacons are fantastic, faithful people. But they need your encouragement. They need strength as they discuss and and think through things of the church that can be brought to the church. Pastors, we're humans. There are times where we struggle. Make sure you encourage our pastoral team. Strengthen them in faith. The people that you look up to in faith your heroes of the faith in this life. They need strengthening in faith as well. Jesus, as he was preparing for his arrest, he took John, James, and Peter into the garden to pray. And before going to pray, he stopped and asked these men, keep alert and pray. They fell asleep. But Jesus took them with him. Jesus probably assumed they'd fall asleep, Maybe you already knew they'd fall asleep, but he still took them with him because Jesus also needed his friends alongside in his time of great need. We all need friends in Christ to give us strength. Never presume, assume that we're too far above it or too far below it. We all need that. The second thing, to be a strengthener, to strengthen others, it actually takes a conscious effort. It takes a conscious effort to do these things. Strengthening someone's hand in God involves a considered effort. There's an intentionality to it. If I read verse 16 again, it says, Saul's son Jonathan set out and came to David. Sorry, let me start that again. 
Saul's son Jonathan set out and came to David at Haresh. There he strengthened his hand through the Lord. I wonder what the morning would have been like for Jonathan that morning. I wonder if he got up and was having his ancient cornflakes and, and his dad was having a bit of another rant about this young buck David who everyone loves and, uh, and he's going to take over my kingdom. Maybe he had that sort of a morning. And you can imagine Jonathan going, I've got to do something about this. It would have been easy for Jonathan to not. It was his dad that he was fighting against in this. It would have been easier for Jonathan just to go, well, he was a good bloke, he was a good mate, but this is my dad. And my dad's the king, he's the most powerful man in the land. It would have been easier for him. <clears throat> but there was a moment where Jonathan went, I'm going to do it. There was a moment where he said, I'm going to go out. I'm going to find my friend and bring him some much-needed encouragement. Whatever it was that led Jonathan there that day, it was an intentional action. And unlike David going to the front line when he bought sandwiches for his brothers, because they didn't want to go and fight the giant Goliath, we don't hear of Jonathan bringing a physical blessing to David. There's no... There was no um, nice food or parcels, but we hear only of the spiritual strengthening here that happened as Jonathan went and met with David. I wonder what difference it would make to each of our own spiritual journeys and the spiritual journey of the people around us. If we woke each morning, gave thanks to God for what we had, and then said, God, Make me aware of someone that I need to strengthen today. I wonder if you're doing any hand strengthening at the moment. Not this sort of strengthening exercise, but helping others in their walk. I think this is where, in a church such as ours, small groups can be a real catalyst. Last year we talked about... Uh, triplets, and I know some of you uh, work towards um, getting together with two other people to pray, and that's fantastic. That can be a real avenue of doing this. But perhaps small groups can be fundamental. Not only do they bring us together in a smaller way, in a more intimate setting with other people of faith, but they give opportunity to actively seek how we can strengthen the hand and allow Christ to be central into the lives of others. It gives us the opportunity to be vulnerable in that space as well. Perhaps small groups is something you've never thought about or you used to do but you haven't recently. At the end of the, the session today, I'll, I'll encourage you to pray about what your space for a small group might look like this year. The third thing that happens um, with this strengthening of David through Jonathan, is it wasn't that Jonathan did the strengthening. It wasn't Jonathan came along and imparted his power, sort of like some superhero type person, but he strengthened in God. He strengthened in the Lord. We're not talking about some boot camp that I went on type thing. We're not talking about building up the ego. You're the best, David. Fantastic. Don't you worry. You killed Goliath. How good are you? We're not building up self-confidence. Jonathan strengthened David's hand in 
God. There's a God element to this. And the thing that sets apart the Christian community to any other community group is that we don't just encourage one another to be a better person. It's not about some sort of self-help or persuasion in some way, shape or form. But there's an active encouragement towards deepening our relationship with Jesus. The whole point of being together with other like-minded people is that we can then point each other to a deepening relationship with our Lord and Saviour. And when it's tough for one person, that we get in there and we say, hey, let me pray for you. How can I help you? Let's read scripture together. Let's keep our eyes on the promises of God. Let's point our eyes heavenward together. It's sort of the paradox of Christian community, really. I need you so that you can help me to depend on God and not you. Get that one? I need you that you help me to depend on God and not you. It's all about us helping each other see Jesus. It's the hope of the church that people who are Christ-centric in all their lives help others to enter into that same Christ-centric relationship. Our shoulders rub together that we might find Christ and strengthen each other in Christ. That Christ may be seen in individuals, but also through a group of people, the community, whether that be in a triplet, a small group, or the church. And this is the difference between my boot camp regime that I did on Thursday. I was strengthened in my want to finish, and encouraged in such a way that I'd finished the boot camp. And I'd do that final lap. But in Christ, we add an eternal element to the training. It's something that we can't just stop doing. We don't just finish like we finish a boot camp. Something we need to do together that we continue to walk a journey of faith with Jesus. So when you meet for coffee or when you're in a small group or when you read the Bible with someone else, be intentional about strengthening one another in God. The fourth thing that we can learn from this passage is it actually reminds us of the promises of God in our lives. It gives us an insight, this, this gives us an insight, verse 17 especially, into how Jonathan, what Jonathan really did when he got to David. In verse 17 it says, Do not be afraid, for the hand of my father Saul shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be second to you. My father Saul also knows that this is so. You know, even though Saul was his father, Jonathan already knew the promise that God had given David. Maybe David had told his best friend of the promise that God had given him. Sense the reason. You tell your best friends the deepest parts of your life. So the way Jonathan strengthened David's hand was to remind David that God has already promised this. He's already given this to you. God's set this in action. David needed the reminder. And as we go about strengthening one another's hand in God, it's not all about just a a lovely remark, a little bit of encouragement here or there. Rather, we're reminded to strengthen and be strengthened through the promises that God has given us. 
speaking into the needs through scripture of what the people may have in their lives going on. William Carey, before he left for India on his mission voyage, he was a part of a, a deeply connected group of men. One of those men was Samuel Pierce. They were great friends, and when Carey made it to India, he would write to Pierce, and Pierce would write back. Together, they strengthened each other's hand in God through the encouragement of God's word. Here's a, 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 a bit of a transcript of what Pierce wrote to, wrote to Carey, and he uses some old-style old words, but hopefully you get the gist. He says, Brother, I long to stand by your side, and participate in all the vicissitudes of the attack, an attack which nothing but cowardice can make unsuccessful. Yes, the captain of our salvation marches at our head. Sometimes he may withdraw his presence, but not his power, to try our prowess with our spiritual arms and celestial armour. Oh, what cannot a lively faith do for the Christian soldier? It will bring the deliverer from the skies. It will array him as with a vesture dipped in blood. It will place him in the, mount, in the front of the battle and put a new song in our mouths. These made war with the lamb, but the lamb shall overcome them. Yes, he shall. The victory is sure before we enter the field. The crowd, crown is already prepared to adorn our brows. Even that crown of glory which fadeth not away and already we have resolved to, what to do with it. We will lay it at the conqueror's feet and say, Not to us, O Lord, not unto us, but to thy name give glory. While all heaven unites in the chorus, worthy is the Lamb. I don't know if you grasped all that. There's a lot in just those, that letter. But imagine getting a letter like that. Imagine you got someone just bringing scriptural truth into a time where you're struggling. Now, now, William Carey's out in a foreign land doing mission into a new space. There was all sorts of problems. And he says, no, it's okay. The victory is already yours for the glory of God. What a wonderful message or letter of not just encouragement, but of strengthening I can imagine William Carey finding that letter in a time of, of uncertainty or fear or whatever it might have been and going, this is it. I can keep going. We all have the ability to speak words of life into other Christians. We've been given a, a framework for it. It's all in here. We have the opportunity to strengthen the hand through the speaking of God's words into each other's life. We can speak the truth and the promises of God's word. But you know what we've got to do? We've got to be in God's word to be able to speak out God's word. Be in God's word and know God's word to be able to speak into the life, God's word into the life of others. It's a challenge for us. It's a challenge for us to, to think, who speaks into my life? Or whose life am I speaking into? And perhaps you've not found that avenue yet. Or you think, I haven't got a group of people around me. Or I'm pretty happy flying solo and just running. As I said before, can I encourage you this week to consider what it might look like to be part 
of a small group, a connect group, a group where we connect together. This year, uh, we want to see our small groups grow and thrive. We've got a few small groups in the church. We want to see our small groups grow and thrive because we want to see the strengthening of God's people happen on a daily basis as long as today is called today. So I want you this week to pray because a lot of us are time poor and we think, I can't fit another thing in. So I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God may speak to you about whether small groups is something for you. Whether the the, the benefit will outweigh the costs so that you can strengthen and be strengthened. So pray with an open heart that God will reveal to you. And you know, God might be opening your heart to opening your house. Pray and seek God. God might have, you might never have thought about this. And God might be now just saying, actually, this is something I could facilitate. A group of people strengthening one another up in Christ. Because the result is only positive. Because as we get together and meet in new ways, we're going to see people not just encouraged, but strengthened in Christ. Let's pray. My Lord, we thank you for the blessing of deeper friendships and the friendship we see between Jonathan and David was deep. One where Jonathan, the the anointed one, could be spoken into by Jonathan, the son of the king. And God, I pray that as we journey on this faith journey, this life of faith, that we may be vulnerable enough to the people around us. May they be good friends. May they be people we're starting to know a little deeper. May they be people we respect on the Christian journey. May we be vulnerable enough to say, I need a little help. I need strengthening in the Lord. I need help to get my eyes back on track. And Lord, I pray that if that's anyone here that they may find. Seek out someone to do that with. And God, the other, the other is true as well. Maybe there's someone that's on our heart that we think, I need to strengthen them today. Reveal that to each person. And God, I pray that you, are at the moment, speaking to each person about small groups, connect groups, what that might look like for them. And that they may, may wrestle and, and, and consider and seek you above all else in those things. We thank you, Lord. Amen.